Well, I think the idea is you have to figure out what is the motivation. Are you done with dieting? Are you sick and tired of dieting? If you're done with dieting, then you can start to think about embracing the intuitive eating mindset. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar, a podcast where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. I'm Sarah Lee Kane, your host, and here to give you a space to explore your relationship with money. The guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear, no topic is taboo. In this episode, I chat with Melissa Burton, a non-diet registered dietitian nutritionist that empowers women to break free from diet culture and finally feel positive about their relationship with food and their bodies. We chat about the current state of diet culture and how it leads us to spend money because we don't feel like we're enough. We also talk about why diets don't work, leading us to spend more, and how we can look within ourselves to make better food choices so that we can empower ourselves in our entire lives, including how to be more mindful when it comes to spending money on food. Now, I want to continue the conversation with you, dear listener, so please make sure to listen to the end for some juicy questions and how you can reach me. By the way, this episode is sponsored by my course, Freelance Writing Kickstart. As you may know, I run my own freelance writing business for quite a while, and I've shared what I've learned along the way and helped others leave their jobs or earn a healthy side hustle income. Since so many of you have asked, I've created a step-by-step process to help you cut the overwhelm when it comes to starting and sustaining a successful freelance writing business. Right now, I'm offering listeners 10% off the course using coupon code BTDLISTENER in all caps. To check it out, go to www.beyondthedollar.co backslash FWS. Don't forget to use coupon code BTDLISTENER in all caps to grab your discount. To find resources shared in this episode, head over to www.beyondthedollar.co. Now get ready grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. Melissa, welcome to Beyond the Dollar. So excited to have you. Well, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. This is one of those topics I think, I don't want to say we're ashamed to talk about, but it, it's, I almost feel like diet culture is so ingrained in, I'd say, North American society. I can't speak for the whole world, but I feel like it's so ingrained. And, and it, it's interesting how, I want to say force, but it influences how we spend money and really just our financial lives by extension. So before we really dive into how it affects our finances, can you just give our listeners a quick overview of what diet culture is? Diet culture is the messaging that tells us that as our bodies, our bodies have to fit within a certain paradigm. They have to look a certain way. And if you do not fit within that paradigm, you are not good enough. And it is the messaging that we get all from wellness, from diet industry, and also from our parents that don't mean, and our families that don't mean to fear and shame and make you feel uncertain about the way that you're eating. But it's also the way that we get communication about how we define ourselves, whether we're good or bad, a little bit of morality that's involved. Okay, interesting. Let's dive into this paradigm a little bit. Like what specifically, mm-hmm. let's say I were to eat, I don't know, whole wheat toast with peanut butter, or I want to lose weight. Like what, what do you mean by paradigm? What I mean by paradigm is basically mm-hmm. about 
the way that you look at one point. There are two different things to actually think about when you think about diet culture. It's about the way that you look and the idea mm. of fitting within a certain body type and the idea that it's also about the morality of what kind of foods you eat. You've heard foods being good or bad. You've heard clean eating, which allows you to put the health halo around the whole act of eating. And then you've heard of bad food. What's the opposite of clean eating? It's dirty. It's got a negative connotation to it. So that's the paradigm of bringing in not only what you eat, how much you eat, where you eat. It's also about the kinds of foods that you eat, the access that you have to those foods, and how you look and you exercise. Oh, that's so interesting. As, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of when I was a kid. So I grew up I'm Asian. So mm-hmm. a lot of the culture revolved around like how skinny. It, it actually doesn't matter if you're healthy or if you have muscle mm-hmm. tone or anything. It's just like how skinny can you be? And so I remember this was really interesting. So I had a conversation with my cousin and he was around 30-ish something and he was dating this woman and we were all joking about our weight. And I realized I was the same weight. So I was in my teens. I was the mm-hmm. same weight as his ex-girlfriend. And so mm-hmm. they all teased me as I was like, oh, you're fat, Sarah. And I just, that stuck with me. And I'm like, you know, why does it matter? I mean, and I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think they meant it in that way, but you're right. Like it's almost so ingrained whether or not somebody does it on purpose. It just unfortunately leaves you feeling bad about yourself. And so you, I don't know, by extension, maybe spend money to feel better. Is that, is that oh, one of the ab- negative consequences? Do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I believe that the weight loss and diet industry is trying to tell you that you need to have these things, you need to eat this way, you need to follow this kind of diet, or you are not worthy. And it's not necessarily about how healthy you are. It's about what you look like. So you know, we have heard there are many people that have eating disorders that look healthy. There are many people who have eating disorders who are overweight. And yet, it's the idea that health is not as important as what you look like. Why do you think that is? We are a culture of thinness. We, pro- ah, sorry, my brain is going a little bit slower <laughs> than my mouth at the moment. That's we, okay. We really prize youthfulness, beauty, and the idea of looking a certain way. And I think also, you know, now in an age where we live with social media, there's so many people saying, hey, you can look just like me. All you have to do is buy this. Everybody wants to buy into the dream that if you eat this way, and if you're disciplined enough, you are going to have the life that you've always wanted. The diet and wellness industry is wonderful for selling you the dream. And then they sell it to you over and over and over again, because 95% of diets fail. Yeah, it just sounds like it has to be like extrinsic motivation, which is really interesting. I talked to a guest about, you know, what's intrinsic versus extrinsic. It's almost like, okay, well, you know, the problem is outside of yourself. And so you need to find what it is out there to solve all your problems instead of what's going on internally. Well, it's both actually. And the Mm -hmm. way that I look at it is that we get a lot of outside messaging. We get a lot of visual messaging about what is beautiful, what's acceptable. There have been studies done that women who are thinner, they get paid more money than women who are heavier. So we do prize that and we do reward it. However, we also have internal things about the way that we eat and the way that we look. A lot of diet culture is also playing upon the part of fear of death. If you follow the right way to eat, you won't be sick. 
you won't die. And it's the idea of I get some sort of moral high ground when I eat well. Mm, So I think that there's an external and an internal thing that goes on. Right. So it's almost like all the things like status, (laughs) like beauty, worthiness, all of that. Wow. I mean, it's it's so interesting you say that. It's just it's I think a lot more complicated than even I had originally thought in terms of like, you know, I'm thinking things like whole 30. I could rattle off a bunch of other ones like the keto diet or paleo, Mm -hmm. vegan, vegetarian, you know, and I'm thinking about the messaging, not to say that they're all bad. I know it's helped a lot of people, but you're right. Maybe the messaging is like, oh, feel better if you follow this way. And here are a bunch of cookbooks that you can buy, (laughs) you know, spend $30 and you'll feel better, right? (laughs) If you cleanse, do you actually feel cleansed unless you tell everybody about it? What's the difference if you do a juice cleanse and you don't, and nobody knows that you need to have the outside validation in order for it to feel complete. Yes, di- there are diets that do work, but they're all temporary, all of them. Yeah, I love that you brought up the juicing one because that in itself, like to be able to afford the juices, not saying make your own, but to go and buy it, it's almost, you almost need a certain amount of privilege, a certain amount of income to be able to. I'm going to put this in air quotes, afford it because Absolutely. in my area anyway, yeah. In my area, yeah. I think I think it's like six bucks a pop. I have no idea what it's elsewhere in the US, but $6 a juice. I think you're supposed to do like six juices a day or three juices a day, whatever the rule is. I mean, that that adds up. Well, the, wellness, the entire wellness platform is selling you the aspirational lifestyle, right? It's all about if you can afford this, if you're willing to put this kind of money into it, then you're good. You're even better. You get that health halo. You get that I'm doing things not only because I can afford it. Look at all the pretty things and the packaging. Look, I'm a package whore, unlike, you know, just like everybody else. I, have a, I had a career in marketing before this, but I can still be seduced by packaging. We're seduced by that. If it feels upscale, then we feel upscale, even though... We're paying, now you said $6 a juice. I've seen $12 a juice. And, and the idea of being able to afford that, people say, okay, if I'm investing not only my time and my energy, but my money, then I'm going to succeed this time. So there's a yeah, lot of hope mm-hmm. that we put into the whole idea. And the diet and wellness industry knows how to sell that. So I'm curious what, in your experience, like what some of the language or even the colors or the the way something's packaged, like that would entice me to, to buy into it or buy it? Well, okay. Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow's aspirational lifestyle brand. That is basically, she is the poster child for wellness. She has taken pseudoscience and made it seem like it is going to help you. And look at the packaging. It's upscale. She is very verbal about saying, we are an aspirational brand. We price things higher because that allows it to seem more precious. So there's definitely a look. And it really depends on who you're marketing to. For women, it seems right now, I've noticed a lot of bright colors, a lot of orange recently, or peach especially for women, you know, the marketers know what not to do. They want you to feel like you are cared for. 
that you are upscale and that you are getting something that is precious, that if you can afford it, it makes you a better person. That is super, super interesting. And I'm going to link to Gwyneth Paltrow. There's a ton of articles about how expensive some of her things are. And I realize expensive is like a relative term, but I remember she was talking about cleanses for like $700. And there were a lot of products that she promoted that turned out to be really harmful to to yeah, she, your body. She just got sued. Yeah, she just got sued for a hundred, only $145,000, which I thought Jeez, was okay. quite low because right. of the vaginal jade eggs that she was saying that it would help you with perimenopause and would help you with so many different things. And if you've read anything, some of her, she had an interview with the Wall Street Journal magazine. She had an interview with the New York Times magazine. She was saying that she didn't believe that she needed a fact checker. And she (laughs) wound up after pressure to get a fact checker. And now on her website, she will, there are certain categories that basically will tell you whether this is something, hey, we kind of like it, or see, it's actually science, but it's given in language that is very friendly, very comforting, very, but it makes you feel like you're in the know and you are part of an exclusive group that is with every step, you get closer and closer to the aspirational lifestyle that the wellness marketing game is all about. Interesting. So switching gears a little bit, I'm curious Uh to hear about your personal experience with diet culture. So can you tell us a bit about your experience with food and dieting and what led you to helping other women, you know, feel better about their bodies? Sure. In my early, I think I was a person that never felt great about my body size. But once I was in my 20s, I was living in New York City. I was doing a lot of things and shrinking with my friends, a lot of spending money, a lot of going out. And I discovered that working out made me feel great. It made me feel really great. And I would, I wound up working out and then I joined Weight Watchers. And I had a goal weight and it took me a while to get there. But once I did, I was like, great, I reached my goal weight, but I still don't feel great. I have this number that I had in my head. Everybody believes you get to that number and your life changes magically. So I worked out harder and I wound up getting not sick from working out, but I wound up having uh, mastoiditis, which is an infection of the bone behind your ear. And I had to be at home for about a month. And the only thing I could care about was getting back to the gym. And I realized all I talked about was going to the gym and eating well. And at this point, I worked in marketing and I was learning about how to not necessarily say the words to do, but that is what marketing does. It's trying to get you to buy. It's trying to make you feel good about a product that you want to spend your money and part with your money to have it. I was in marketing for about 10 years and finally read a book by a woman named Janine Roth who talks about whether food is love. And she helped me kind of see the idea of dieting is not healthy. A scale is not, why should stepping on a scale make you decide how to feel. If the scale goes down, are you supposed to feel better about yourself? If the scale goes up, are you supposed to feel worse? So I changed my mind a little bit about dieting then. Then I worked very, very hard in a marketing job, quit my job, 
and went back to school to become a dietitian. But even as a dietitian, we're taught so much about dieting. Diet, the word is in the professional title. I hate it. But, <laughs> and I've learned that so many people literally live and die by what they eat and what they don't eat and the way that they feel about themselves. So it isn't necessarily only, what I learned as a dietitian was it's not only about the science, but it's about the psychology and it's the way that you feel. So as I left clinical nutrition and I mean, moved from New York to California, I knew that I always wanted to work with women. And I thought women, when they get pregnant, or they wanted to become pregnant, that's when you really started to pay more attention to nutrition. And I figured that was a very captive audience. And that morphed more into the idea of helping women in general, especially since I learned more and more and more about how psychology is truly tied to the way that we food and we mostly are punishing ourselves. That's a very, very long answer. <laughs> I love that you touch on the psychology. It was so, it's so interesting. I was listening to, I think it was a pot, it was a called hashtag authentic. It was a little bit off topic from their podcast, mm-hmm. but they're talking about intuitive eating, which yeah. we're going to dig into that definitely. But mm. it was talking about, it doesn't matter if you, you know, by whatever standards, the healthiest diet, if you feel like crap eating it, when it goes into your body, it might not even help you with your health. And that to me just hit this label up like, man, it so relates to even spending the money because let's say mm-hmm. you spend money to go to Pilates a couple times mm-hmm. a week. Like if you feel bad about going or if you felt like you were guilted into buying that membership, are you really going to go? You're going to waste your money. Or if you go to Weight Watcher and you're so obsessed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Is that really a healthy way to spend the money or is that really a healthy way to spend your time? And so I love talking about that. Can you dive that into a little bit more, like the psychology of eating or the psychology of how the diet culture can affect? Sure. Yeah. Intuitive Eating actually was a book written in 1995 by two dietitians. And just to bring it back, just I want to make it really clear to your listeners that there is a difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist. And for the most part, most people don't know that there is a difference. Anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. A registered mm-hmm. dietitian actually has to go and get a college degree. They must do an internship in a hospital for at least 900 hours, and you rotate through all different kinds of nutritional service. And then you have to take a regist- and you have to take an exam that allows you to be a registered dietitian across the country. And then every state has their own licensing. So you may see somebody within RD or RDN, registered dietitian, registered dietitian, nutritionist, and LD, licensed dietitian. Where I live in California, there is no licensure. But that doesn't mean that I'm not a dietitian. And a nutritionist, literally, that somebody could read a book and call themselves a nutritionist. They can take an online class. They can also have a PhD in nutrition. But you don't know. And there's no standardization for somebody who calls themselves a nutritionist. Okay, rolling back. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes, I had to make that very clear. As dietitians, we really do have to, we battle with a lot of different experts. So yes, these two women wrote this book in 1995 about the psychology of eating and about the idea that health is more than just what you eat. So many people make a judgment 
about how they eat. They have 10 principles of intuitive eating. And the first principle is about breaking up with dieting, that you are not going to go on a diet anymore. Because once you're in this little push and pull about that the next diet is going to get me what I want, it's more about learning how to trust your own self rather than the advice of a diet. Because nobody else, I can be an expert on nutrition, but I'm not an expert on your body. And funny enough, the last principle in intuitive eating is learning about nutrition. I did not know that intuitive eating really existed until a few years ago. So I had been working with the Janine Roth idea of just that you don't need to diet. I'm not sure if I answered all of your questions. <laughs> no, you did. I love, thank you so much for bringing up the idea of intuitive eating and what that means. And I think, you know, the reason I brought you on to talk about it is it really lines with message of beyond the dollar is that you are enough and that you have the power to make the changes. It's accepting radical responsibility that you have what it takes to change your life. And I feel like if we're going to spend money to better our health, you know, whether that does mean you may need to lose a few pounds or, you know, get out and exercise more or just change, tweak a little bit about what you eat, it's all really up to us. And, and it's fine to follow a program. You know, I don't want to throw shade at those who, who are following programs. I think that I don't want people to rely on them 100% because at the end of the day, like you said, you know what's best for you. And I think it same goes with budgeting. Like let's, let's kind of tie that into finances. Like same sure. goes with budgeting. Like there's Dave Ramsey, there's Susie Orman, there's, you know, Mr. Money Mustache for those interested in the fire movement. There's so many different ways to do essentially the same thing, like manage your money better, right? At the end of the day, uh -huh. it's like what works for you, what works with your personality, what stresses you out the least <laughs> or what makes you the most happy, right? So I love that because it's so interesting. So I read a book, I'm not sure if you know, it's called The Mindful Diet. And it was hmm, developed by, okay, it was developed, and I cannot remember their names, but I'll link it in the show notes. It was developed by two women who work at the Duke Integrative Medicine Department. And I'm totally butchering uh -huh. that too. I apologize, ladies, if you're hearing this. <laughs> oh, I see. But, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it's really interesting because it, it goes through a process of rediscovering your body. And by that, I mean, like you do meditations, you talk about, or you talk about the goal, like why do you want to be healthy? Like visualize what it is that you want out of having a better body or having a better mind. Like, so it, it digs into the why, which I love. And then it goes into how do you know when you're full? How do you know when you're not? And it gives you a process to create your own guidelines into mm -hmm. what you, I don't say what you can and can't eat, but what can help you feel better in your body, depending on what you want to eat. And if you want to have some ice cream, like they're like, that's fine. Except, you know, maybe you want to have a guideline around that in case you overindulge. And then I think the last part is mm -hmm. suggestion of meal plans. So it's really interesting how reversing it in terms of anti, like, I guess you can say anti-diet culture. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. Actually, there are many dietitians that call themselves anti-diet dietitians. Mm, okay. I believe that putting it, me personally, the word anti kind of puts a negative connotation in it. So I say non, because I think the anti almost allows a bit of a challenge um, okay. in my mind. But I, one of the biggest names in 
the non-diet community. Her name is Christy Harrison, and she runs a podcast called Food Psych, and she calls herself an anti-dietitian. And she's a brilliant woman. She's a dietitian, and she's a journalist. And she really brings out everything. And it's not necessarily that she's coming after you with a pitchfork if you talk about dieting, (laughs) but she does not believe in it to be a healthy thing. And I definitely understand that. Yes. So when you obviously decided not to go to Weight Watchers anymore, is it safe to make uh-huh. that assumption? <laughs> yes. What's funny enough is that I actually worked for them for a while. Oh, okay. And I wound up quitting while I was at school to become a dietitian because I realized that as much as this was helping people to lose weight, they weren't learning about the why. They were learning about mm-hmm. the how. And to me... It was a room where you got support, and I definitely believe that support is super important. And I know that Weight Watchers is one of the most successful programs out there. And I think, you know, they are really trying to cater to helping large groups of people in helping to get them get people healthy, but at the same time, kind of learning how to play a game rather than doing the internal work. And it's also the idea of foods are good and foods are bad. And it really turned me and I said, I can't work here anymore. Wow. Yeah. I'm so glad you bring that up. We talk a lot on Beyond the Dollar about aligning your values with how you earn money. And so Mm -hmm. I love hearing that you've decided, okay, this is not aligning with my values. I'm going to find some other way to earn money that better focus. And I'm, you know, that's great that you are helping women with the non-anti-diet. <laughs> anti-diet is fine. I mean, it definitely means the same thing. Right. But yeah, it's the idea of undoing so many things that we have learned about what we believe is good and bad. And that in the pursuit of health, sometimes it isn't the pursuit of health. It's the pursuit of looking a certain way. I mean, we've gotten to the point where now we have a new identified, it is not official disorder called orthorexia, eating disorder, about people who are obsessed with eating clean and eating healthy food. That it, it keeps them from doing anything else but focusing on the food that they want to eat, that they need to eat. Oh, that's so interesting. I will definitely link to if I can find some articles, everyone, I will I'll link those in the show notes. That's a new one for me too. Very oh, interesting. really? Yeah, it's a big one. Uh-huh. And they say that orthorexia has been increasing in incidence mm. with the advent of Instagram. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. Just call it out. <laughs> just say Instagram. No, I, look, I mean, Instagram, there's, I love Instagram too. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that I do. But I also believe that it does play a part in the way that you feel about yourself and your body. And that's why I talk to clients and I say to them, when you look at an Instagram account, how does it make you feel? If it doesn't make you feel great or at least neutral, you need to not put this person or this account into your feed. And I think a lot of people believe that they are very confused about who the experts are also in health and nutrition but somebody's got a lot of followers or they've got really good packaging and they're giving you information. Oh, and that's so true. It's almost like keeping up with the Joneses, but in diet culture, (laughs) if you can call it that. Absolutely. Yeah. 
there is definitely a lot of keeping up with the Joneses. You know, there's a blogger from Australia who she conned thousands of people to believe that she was an alternative health advocate and she cured her cancer. Wow. And then came out that she was blind. That is insane. Okay, I will find an article to everyone and link that in show notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sell it. And it's packaging. It's not necessarily, we've gotten to the point where science and facts are optional as long as it looks good. And that's a problem. Yeah, so I'm curious about if I were someone who's looking to feel better in my body to feel healthier, and I'm going online to research a bunch of people or Instagram accounts, I, what would you say to me or to anyone out there who's doing that? Like, What questions or guidance can you give in terms of what should we look for when we're deciding if we want to work with someone, if we want to buy a product? Well, I think the idea is you have to figure out what is the motivation. Are you done with dieting? Are you sick and tired of dieting? If you're done with dieting, then you can start to think about embracing the intuitive eating mindset. If you are not done with dieting, then the idea of, look, we kind of know what healthy eating is, right? It's not super sexy, but we want it to be. You can take a look at what you eat and make tweaks from there. We want whole grains, fruits, vegetables, lean protein, vegetarian, vegan proteins are fine as well. Some measure of calcium, whether it be from milk or other things. You have to figure out where you want to come from. The idea of looking up health at every size, if you're somebody who's like, okay, I'm done with dieting and I've tried, I've lost weight and I've gained it back and more, which is most often what happens. Only about three to 5% of people actually keep weight off from a diet long term. So if you are understanding that maybe your body type is your body type, you might want to look into something called health at every size, which is the acronym H-A-E-S, HAVE. And it talks about the idea of shifting the idea of health from weight. And so there are some things that may open your eyes about redefining what healthy means to you and to take a look at what the messaging is around you with diet culture, everything that you read, things that you see. And then um, my thought is once you understand that diet culture is around, then maybe you see it everywhere and you start to think about learning how to notice if you're hungry or full. And looking for somebody under the intuitive eating umbrella to help you kind of get in touch with your own body, your own cues, and your own definition of health. Because we all basically know how to eat healthfully, but it's the re- but it's the understanding of why we don't. Mm, I love that. I'm oh, sorry. No, that's okay. I went a very, very long way around there. I love it. I love it because I think we need to start thinking deeper into every decision we make. Not that I want to put like a gazillion tons of pressure on everybody, but no. I think if we want to live the life we want, whatever that is, we we do need to take responsibility for 
all aspects of our lives, you know, including diet, including money. I'd like to ask, I think we sort of started talking about it, but we definitely got sidetracked on all the amazing things we just chatted about is how do you feel like after you've done the non-diet or intuitive eating, like how do you feel like in terms of the way you spend money on food now? Like what's been the shift for you? For me, I am conscious of something either A, do I want this because I want the taste of it? Is it that I want the texture? I'm not as concerned on whether it's low fat, you know, high in fiber. All foods to me have equal moral value. So if it's something that I want, then I'm going to spend the money on it. What really gets me is when I go out, and I love to go out to restaurants. I really do. But if I spend money on a bad meal, that really gets me upset. (laughs) That is Um, so me too. (laughs) Right? I mean, to spend money on some... And and now I don't hem and haw. I think there there was definitely a time like, oh, I want the brownie. No, I don't. And then the idea now that I will buy whatever I want, whenever I want. And if it just doesn't taste good, then I get upset with how I spend my money. So one of the words that I am using this year, I guess I'm jumping on the bandwagon for you know a word to help define your year. I have two words. One of them is deliberate. I try to be deliberate and mindful about what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. And when it comes to money, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a small business owner that's just gotten launched, I need to be smart about my money. So I want my money to be spent in a way that makes me happy and fulfilled, both nutrient-wise when it comes to food and also the pleasure aspect of it. I love it. It's like, oh man, how dare you enjoy spending your money or being deliberate about what you're doing? (laughs) No, I'm just joking. (laughs) It It is a hard thing to understand that you want to be deliberate despite what anybody else has to say. Because, you know, when it comes to the way you spend your money, and especially when it comes to food, I know that there are many dietitians that, that I know that don't like to tell people that they're dietitians when they're in a social situation because they think that people are going to judge their plate or they're going to, you know, judge them at the supermarket and thinking about, oh, you're not eating good enough foods or healthy foods or you're spending money on that. Yeah. I do think that being deliberate is important and being deliberate in figuring out what's healthy for you isn't necessarily only about nutrients. It has to feed your soul. I love that. Feed your soul. So Melissa, last question. How are you living beyond the dollar? Well, deliberate was definitely the word that I wanted to bring into this. I am trying to really figure out that I want to build my life and my business that allows me not only to talk about food and health and wellness, but I'm getting to help women really change their relationship with food and their bodies in a world that tells them that they may not be enough. But I also am deliberate about trying to create a life for my family. Both my husband and I are self-employed. And so that means we're around a lot more for our pre-teenage son. But it also means that we are able to carve out the time to spend with him and to give him experiences that we didn't have. We can go on a three-week vacation 
or we can be with him and see him at school or go to games and not be in a nine to five office. So it is a balance. It's not just how much money do I make? It's money and time. I love it. Thank you so much, Melissa. Much appreciate. Love this conversation. All right. You're very welcome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Melissa. Now, we chatted a bit before and after the recording, and we both really just want to stress that some of what we talked about may be a little bit triggering and completely understand, and we're no way shaming any of your choices. Like if you're choosing to go paleo or other types of dieting, that is completely your choice. However, both of us want to be clear that we want you to look within yourself and that you're not spending money on food or on diet programs because you don't feel like you're enough because you are enough. Now, my question for you today is what can you spend money on right now to help you feel good about your body? Not anything external, right? To lose weight or anything, just feel good about your body. Think about a purchase or a financial decision where it makes you feel like you're enough. And It's really, again, not simply to be skinnier, but maybe a financial decision that helps you feel healthy inside and out. And I'm dying to know. So please find me on Instagram at beyond the dollar. I'm trying not to be there in 24 seven, but if you DM me or leave me a comment on any of the photos I've posted, I will get back to you. Thank you so much for listening in on Beyond the Dollar. If you like what you heard, please share with a friend. It'll help share the mission of what we're trying to do, which is to have more deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Tag them on Instagram, on one of my posts at Beyond the Dollar, send them a link, whatever you want to do to spread the mission of what we're doing around here. And if you feel that putting money towards the things that really matter is a challenge for you, download our values-based spending guide. You'll gain clarity around what matters to you most in life, be able to name your most important values, and how to start putting money towards those things. To download the values-based spending guide, go to www.beyondthedollar.co. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar. By the way, don't you love the new intro music? Thank you so much to Donovan Durance for providing this awesome song.